episode number 166. This is Greg Duncan, and we've got another host today. You know, I could make fun of him, but Paul, he's got an operation. Everything will be fine, but but it's just it's going to be inpatient versus outpatient. Josh is doing his VS Live speech, so we'll have, next time we have him on, we'll have to ask him how that went. Uh, Mickey is doing Microsoft stuff. Angela is doing Angela stuff. Gordon thought he was going to be on. But a production issue came up, so it's just me. But it's not just me. Let me introduce you to our guest, Daniel Mann. Daniel is a software. You know what? Three words in, and I screw up the intro. Is this like a standard show or what? But like, like I told you, Dan, when we were Daniel, when we were first do it, our bloops, they're in. So let's try this again. Daniel is a so- <laughs> all right. Daniel is a senior. Software development consultant at InCycle Software, where he architects and implements solutions to tough DevOps and Azure problems for a wide range of customers. Before joining InCycle, he was a software architect and developer for 10 years, where he learned the value of DevOps and agile development practices. He's passionate about helping people write better software and loves solving problems. The weirder, the better. He was a member of the Microsoft MVP program from 2014 to 2018 and is an active member of the ALM Rangers program where he won the Product Group Impact Award for 2016 for his work on the release management server migration tool. In his spare time, he answers questions on Stack Overflow, plays guitar poorly, helps plan his wedding, and is the designated cat belly rubber at home. Daniel, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's a real honor. Certainly. Sorry for, for, for screwing up your, your intro, your bio, you know, it's, but I guess it wouldn't be a show if we didn't screw that up a couple times. Oh, don't worry. I'll screw things up too. <laughs> well, this will be a great show then. Standard show for our listeners. So first of all, I wanted to ask you, what, what happened to the MVP? Were you one of those ones that just got roadkill from the drastic downsizing of it or what? Yeah, what I mean, that's what it seems like. Um, I mean, the past year, I've been real busy. I moved. I got engaged. So, you know, I haven't been doing a lot of uh, public speaking stuff. I haven't been doing blogging. It's basically just Stack Overflow, which I can do in, you know, maybe 15 to 20 minutes a day of just, like, hitting the site and refreshing and answering some questions. So that's been my primary contribution mode. I feel like I do a lot. But, you know, um, the MVP program feels uh, feels like they, they want to see a wide variety of stuff across all the different areas. And I haven't been doing stuff. So, you know, they dropped me. Hopefully this is hopefully showing up uh, on this show is going to be step one to getting back in their good graces. <laughs> well, let's hope, man. I mean, um, yeah, as I, our listeners, if you didn't hear us when we talked about it a couple of shows ago, this year when they renewed all the MVPs on July 1st, it, it was pretty ugly. Uh, there was a distribution list and there were a huge number of goodbyes, goodbyes, goodbye. I'm not getting renewed. I'm not getting renewed. Goodbye, goodbye. It was just hairy. And it had a lot of us, it had me sweating, you know, even though this is like right now, the only focused uh, Azure DevOps, VSTS, TFS, whatever kind of podcast, you know, I, I was still sweating that. So, um, Daniel, yeah, I started to see. I'm, I'm sorry, I started to Go see ahead. all the uh, all the messages popping up on the mailing list. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see mine. It's, it's <laughs> happening any day now. And then it came, and I went, oh. <laughs> that that did you are you, you taking advantage of the MVP re- revisit or whatever the alumni program is called? Um, I mean, I signed up for it, but I haven't looked at what that entails. <laughs> so I guess the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you signed up for it, so yeah. yeah so. Okay, so yeah, our. This is going to sound kind of weird. And it's, are, are you bitter about it? Sad? Disgusted? Don't really oh, no, care? No, 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 no. No, I mean, look, I, I'm stunned that I was ever an MVP in the first place, let alone that they renewed me three times. So, like, it's, it's all gravy, you right. know? And is not being one going to really change your behavior? You know, are you, are you still going to do the Stack Overflow questions and... You know, I, it's it's funny because when when they dropped me, I was like, you know what, I'm not going to do Stack Overflow for a couple of weeks. And then like that Saturday, I'm sitting there in front of the computer. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go answer a few questions. <laughs> so um, no, it's it's not really going to change anything. Uh-huh. Um, I still I'm still going to do public speaking. I'm still going to do blogging when I can. You know, right. when when circumstances align, because uh, I love doing that. I just did. Um, a couple of months ago, I did the Global DevOps Bootcamp uh, in Cycle sponsored da- Dallas and New York City. Okay. Since I, so I'm in New Jersey, so I did the New York one. Uh-huh. And how did that go? We've had uh, the, the organizers on before. How, how did it go this year for you? Oh, it, it was fantastic. They did such a good job. Like, all of the 
material. I was really worried leading up to it because I'm like, what are the exercises? What do I need to know going into this so that I can help people? And they're like, don't worry about it. Everything's fine. Don't worry. And we get there day of and you know, everything is just perfectly set up. So I barely needed to do anything. I, I gave a keynote speech. Uh, presentation, you know, talked about DevOps practices, blah, blah, blah. And then people went off to do exercises and I barely had to do anything. It was awesome. So yeah, that, that was a fantastic event. Like everyone was excited about the exercises. Everyone learned a whole lot about how to do things in good DevOpsy ways. I was, I was really, uh, I was thrilled with it. Awesome. We'll have a link in the show notes for everybody because I'm sure they're going to have it next year as well. Right. I hope so. Yeah. All right. So First thing, let's talk about, you know, the elephant in the room. What do you think about the new Azure DevOps, the renaming, the rebranding, the separating into services? What's your feeling about that? I'm, I mean, I'm surprised it hasn't happened sooner because uh, it really just is the next logical evolution of, of, you know, how Microsoft's been positioning themselves and how they've been positioning um, VSTS, Azure DevOps, whatever you want to call it. Um, I guess Azure DevOps, but it really, it just goes perfectly hand in hand with, um, with that, you know, that vision and the direction they've been marching. I'm, I'm not thrilled about the name, but you know, it's, it's naming things is the hardest thing in the world. So yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to complain about it. What other name would you think would be, I mean, I, I do too. I, I really kind of hate the, the Azure prefix to everything, but then again, I don't know what else, what else to call it. Microsoft Cloud DevOps, I, just something to get get the word Azure out of there, because I because I can already hear the customer saying, "Well, we're using AWS for our cloud. Why would we want to use Azure yeah. DevOps?" Yeah, the same problem that the same problem when it was named Visual Studio. Right. Yeah. Right. So. Sa- same problem, different arena now. So <laughs> we don't use Visual Studio. Why would we want to use Visual Studio Team Services? Yeah. Eh. But you know, it's funny. Yeah, calling it Microsoft DevOps would would have been the greatest thing for the abbreviation. Because we could have called it MSDOS. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was. Um, I was thinking now it's ADO. Yeah, yeah. Actually, there's there's a whole argument going on about the need for a TLA or an FLA for it. If you say Azure DevOps, it's actually shorter than saying VSTS. Uh, so some people are kind of saying, why do we even need it to shorten it? But uh, what do you think? Uh, well, I mean, when I'm typing it out, it's a lot more letters. Yeah. Um, so I, I need I need some kind of acronym. But yeah, <laughs> it, it took it took so long to get used to typing VSTS because I would always go back and think Visual Studio Team System. Like, why? <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll we'll get used to it, and it'll probably just end up being ADO because I try to resist the urge to call it VSTS for a while. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and well, I, let's let's knock on wood that this is the last rename for a while. Yeah, for for at least the next like year or two. <laughs> no, you know, curse you. No, it's going to be. It has to be longer than that. I mean, I mean, let me tell you when when there was a big um, fracas uh, on Stack Overflow when it changed from VSO to VSTS because there were questions tagged with VSTS for Visual Studio Team System. You know, ancient <laughs> questions. Right. There were, and there was just kind of a tag explosion, and no one quite knew what to do. It took months for it to get worked out. This time it happened like day of. I think someone might have told them in advance that it was coming because like day of, all the tags changed over. Yeah, they actually, uh, I was t- chatting with Martin about that. They, they actually did coordinate with Stack Overflow and there was a specific series of tasks and people involved with switching the tags over and, and flipping all of that. Yeah, that, and that was wonderful because the, you, you needed to monitor like 17 different tags to be sure you were catching everything otherwise. <laughs> All right. So speaking of Stack Overflow and listeners, this is why I have Daniel on because I subscribe to a lot of different feeds and a number of the different feeds are Stack Overflow RSS feeds. So just to keep an eye on, on what's happening and I would see some questions and I would go to Stack Overflow and um, I, I would see, hey, Daniel Mann answered this one. And I'd go to another one like the next day and there's Daniel Mann commenting on it. And then I'd go to another one a couple days later and it's, who the heck is this Daniel Mann guy? He's answering them all. So I, I figured it would, it, we got to have you on because one of the things, and, and this is, I think I'm going off the rails here a little bit, but it wouldn't be a show if we didn't have to go off the rails, is um, Rod Falenga. He is a you know constant listener. He comments on us a lot. As a matter of fact, we um, had his email in the last show on it. But 
one of the threads he and I go back and forth on is he will use Stack Overflow, but then he has, he's never sure if he's doing it right. So, you know, whether the, whether he's questioning it right, and then sometimes, you know, people end up getting mean on it. And we'll talk to Daniel all about this, but this is why I wanted Daniel on, because, you know, I wanted to get somebody who's spending a lot of that time, who's obviously addicted to doing Stack Overflow, <laughs> does it on his weekends and, you know, his downtime. So first of all, how many questions have have you answered or commented on? I I, I went and I looked up the the stats on this um, in anticipation of this question, <laughs> and I have somewhere north of fourteen hundred questions answered um, and about twenty seven hundred comments. I asked eleven questions, if that counts. <laughs> I, I think that number equals addiction. You know? No, I, I look. <laughs> Like you, you, you want to see addiction? Go look at John Skeet. Mm-hmm. Well, I he's mean, he's like the Uber outlier, though. You know that guy's a machine. Like I, I can't even imagine how he's still married with all the time he spends on Stack Overflow. <laughs> like, it must be just a staggering amount of time. So, speaking of time invested, why do you invest your time answering in these questions? I mean, I I think it's fun, honestly. That's that's a big part of it. It's something I enjoy doing. I like helping people. I like mentoring. I like, and I I like looking smart. Who doesn't? But you know, it's it's fun. It really is. Um, and I got my start on Stack Overflow because I, every time you Google a question, you know, in programming, it takes you to Stack Overflow. So mm-hmm. I was a developer, you know, architect, whatever, and so I would fi- I would find answers to questions I was having. And that was, I was like, this site is so much better than like, I, I guess I'll name the competition like Experts Exchange. You know? um, it's so, so much better than this. So I started to answer questions myself because I, I know C Sharp. I can answer these questions. And then over the years, I, as I transitioned in my career, I'm like, all right, you know, now I know all this cool stuff about TFS and DevOps and Azure. Well, I'm going to start monitoring these other tags as well and you know, add my knowledge. And it just turns out that there were tons of TFS questions and not a lot of people really contributing. There were like two or three people that were really like, uh, like um, Dave Shaw, I think is one of the big ones. And there's a couple of, you know, a couple of other people who are hitting all those tags all the time. And they're kind of my competition, which is <laughs> awesome. Um, but yeah, it's, so it's fun. It's good for me professionally because it makes me, it makes me look good. It helped get me my MVP award originally. That's, it go, you know, goes right on the resume. Here's a link to my Stack Overflow profile. <laughs> not that I'm interviewing. Uh, I've been with InCycle for seven years. <laughs> Um, and it's, it's good for InCycle because again, you know, it's like, Hey, we have this guy, look at, look at a link to all the stuff he knows. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, uh, again, it, it is fun. I enjoy it. And, and what does your fiance say about it? She, uh, she doesn't care because, um, it's something I'm like typing away on my phone and she's, what are you doing? Showing off on the internet again? I'm like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> okay. And more importantly, what does your cat think of it? Uh, um, she she hates it. I can tell because she flops down on my arms, so I can't do anything. I have to hold her. <laughs> if you hear me yowing in the background, that's probably because the cat's nosing around because she hears me on the, a conference call and wants attention. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got two cats and a dog at home, and yeah, I hear you. <laughs> All right, so let's do the good, the bad, the ugly, but kind of in reverse. What what is a what is a crappy question? I, I hate to say that there's such a thing as a crappy question because, you know, there, there's no such thing as a bad question. Um, but uh, unfortunately, in this case, there kind of are. Uh-huh. Um, it's a, cra- a crappy question is just something where there's like zero effort in even attempting to think through the problem before you ask. Like, basically, you're trying to use Stack Overflow as like, um, like do my work for me. Mm-hmm. Like, how, how, how do I do DevOps in um, BSTS? Yeah. Like, if you ask that kind of question, that's not going to that's not going to get you a lot of help because it's like, well, you know, have you looked at like a tutorial or just something to kind of give you a nudge in the right direction? Like, what are you, you know, what are you looking for? Are you, um, and it's, it's just, you know, um, the kind of questions where there's no specific details about the problem. Like someone says, um, when I X, it doesn't work. Okay. <laughs> what does doesn't work mean? <laughs> you know, doesn't work isn't helping me help you. Right. Um, if, like I went, if I go to the doctor tomorrow and I say, I feel sick, like the doctor's not going to be able to do much with that information. And how do you, do you actually take the time to coach people when you see that or, or put comments in, or do you just kind of slap your head and say, I hate humans and go on to the next one? 
Uh, I, I never say I hate humans, but uh, it, it depends on you know how how generous I'm feeling that day. Uh, for for the most part, if if I can give a nudge in the right direction, you know, I'll I'll try and say like, well, you know, have you tried something? Here's here's a resource you could use. Yeah. Um, but it's but there there are times where I'm just like, you know, I'm not even gonna try and salvage this. Like I feel bad that I you know can't do more, but I I have to move on. Uh-huh. Um, and a lot of the time that will also result in, in you know voting to close the question. Hmm. And, and for anyone who's unfamiliar with that, you know, voting to close is basically if five people by consensus say this question is really not going to be answerable or it's off topic or whatever, it'll get closed so that people can't um, post answers on it. So it's just a way of, you know, community control of what's of um, quality of questions. So the, the idea is bad questions will get downvoted, get closed and drift away and good stuff will rise to the top. Okay. That's the idea, at least. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember a time before Stack Overflow? Yeah, I remember having a big shelf of books in my office <laughs> and having to page through books and like look at um, what what is it uh, like Codeplex stuff uh-huh. and uh, Experts Exchange, of course, was a big one. What was the Code Project? Code yeah. Project, right? Yeah, I remember when they were first building that. I was just getting into podcasts. And I was listening to their podcasts uh, of how they were building Stack Overflow and their thoughts behind it and stuff. But yeah, that's kind of taken over the world. How long has Stack Overflow been open? Do you remember? Like a decade longer. I, I mean, I, I remember. I remember. I first started getting into it around like 2009, 2010, something like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's been around a while, and I'm so glad it has been. <laughs> Uh, so what makes a good question then? I, I, a good question is something where um, someone you know, provides all of the relevant details up front. Like, they're, like they say, all right, here's what I'm trying to do. Here's what I've tried to do. Here's the problem I'm having with what I'm trying to do. Um, here's the error message I'm getting or whatever. Um, here's some exact logs or some compiler errors or compiler warnings. Here's a chunk of code that demonstrates the problem that you can copy and paste and run. And you know, that, that's generally speaking more applicable for something like a you know, C-sharp problem versus like a, how do I configure a Kanban board? <laughs> but still, at the end of the day, you know, you, you have to say, um, here's what I'm trying to do. Here's what I've tried. And you know, here's the problem that I'm having. Yeah, because the worst problem is when someone says, uh, you know, the, the worst thing is when someone says, um, I'm trying to do Y and I'm having problem Z without that, you know, what the, what the goal is. Right. Because sometimes what they're trying to do isn't what they should be doing to solve that problem in the first place. You know uh, what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Just like a, a user asking for a feature in, or asking for something in a program and saying, I want X. And then you give them X and say, oh, no, but I wanted to do Y. Like, <laughs> Right. Uh, someone, someone posting a question about a regex problem they're having. And if you dig deep enough, it turns out that they're trying to parse HTML with a regex. <laughs> it's like, well, whoa, you're solving the wrong problem, my friend. Like, let's, let's fix the problem. <laughs> and is uh, that your answer on a good question? Any, is a great st- question any different than what you said about a good question? Uh, I mean, it's, it's always a great question is just something where it's like really esoteric. Mm-hmm. something completely crazy uh but also where the person that asked the question like responds to comments for clarification and goes and updates it because sometimes you 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 see a question you say well what about xyz um and then nothing they just never respond mm-hmm. well i you know I, I can't help you with that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if there's actually a dialogue where we it's like back and forth you know that that's really useful mm-hmm. and that makes that makes the question great can a, a person writing a question provide too much information? I don't see how. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like, uh, yeah, um, I, I don't see how someone could provide too much question or too much information. Um, there was something I was going to say. I can't remember what. Oh, well. <laughs> well, you remember just coming because I'm of the same, same feeling. When Even when people here at work, there's another developer and they come up and say the builds don't work. I want to reach over and slap them. It's like, what do you mean the builds? Don't, can you give me a little bit more information on that one? What build? What are you trying? What change? You know, give me a little bit more detail on that. And and some of the questions that I see out on on Stack Overflow, I, I just kind of have to, you know, wondering what are they thinking? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a uh, rubber duck debugging. Like, but by, by the the act of thoroughly explaining the question 
usually or at least frequently results in you figuring it out yourself. Yeah. Um, and I, I like I've asked eleven questions, um, but I've started to ask probably like five hundred. <laughs> And then by the time I get to the end and I'm ready to hit post, I go, wait a minute, that's the problem. Yeah. Funny how that works, how, how the brain works to make that happen, huh? Yeah. Um, and it's the same thing. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll pull my fiance aside, and she is not a technologist by any stretch of the imagination, no interest in it. Uh, but I'll start describing a problem to her in you know, all of the technical detail. And just by the act of doing that, yeah. sometimes I come up with a solution just because I'm, I'm talking out loud instead of being in my head, engaging a different part of my brain, whatever, you know, whatever the physiological reason is, it works, you know, mm -hmm. just talking through the problem. So maybe that's even a, a, an answer for a great question is a question that you don't end up having to post at all because you answer it Ooh. yourself. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> Very zen. Yeah. Um, what are some other do's and don'ts for people either posting questions or answering or commenting on them. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that, that, that's a big list. But um, <laughs> the, the most important thing is there's a big guide, how to ask a good question. And it explains exactly, you know, what kind of stuff they're looking for. Um, and it's linked right there. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a link to post in the notes for this. Um, so just read that first. Just start by asking you know, or start by reading how to ask. Um, you, know, you don't ask a question and then disappear off the face of the earth. Because even, you know, um, if, you know, if someone provides a good answer, you should accept the answer so that they get some credit for it and it helps, their, it helps them out. And it also acts as a signpost for anyone who's coming to that question a year later through Google. Hey, here's a good answer. And sometimes the answer that gets accepted isn't the good answer. But yeah, that's, that's, the, um, that's the danger of it being community driven. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you shouldn't expect an answer that's going to contain like a step-by-step super detailed guide. Like, you know, um, an, an answer I, I write might be, uh, you, um, use pull requests. I'm not going, you know, I, I, I mean, some people might go through and provide step-by-step -step instructions on how to do pull requests. Uh, some people might just give a link to you know, the official documentation. You know, here's something you can read, but this will solve your problem. Um, because sometimes people expect, you know, a like fully detailed end to end, um, explanation of every aspect of a problem. And, you know, you can't necessarily expect that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I say, you know, do try and Google first, like seriously, it's, it seems like the silliest thing in the world, but before you ask, just Google it. Um, I, I feel like, I, I feel like, uh, Google is the most invaluable tool. I don't know how I survived. Like I think back to college when I was in college before Google existed. I don't know how I graduated. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's mind blowing to me that I was able to, uh, to learn anything before Google. So, you know, that's a, that's a big one. Like Hanselman says, you know, Scott Hanselman's like, let me Google that with Bing for you. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> just search. Matter of fact, I've changed my, when I'm interviewing people uh, for positions that we have open here, and we ask them a series of questions just to see how they think. You know, I don't necessarily need to see them get it right. I just want to how, see how they think it through. And then when they start pausing at the end, the next question I'll ask, well, how would you search for this on Google? Right. You know, because because we all know we all do it. How could you not? And you'd almost be kind of stupid to not do it. I don't want to say stupid. Uh, you would seem silly to not be utilizing that resource. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. It's the I, I think it's probably the most vital tool in our tool belt as technologists, the ability to you know, to easily search out information because there's no way that any of us know everything, <laughs> not even close, not even a, a one, one one hundredth of the sum of knowledge, even within our specializations, you know? Yeah, yeah I hear you. I, I'm not sure I know anything most of the time. So exactly. Like, <laughs> I, I, the, the only thing I know is that I know nothing. <laughs> now I'm being Zen. Yeah, really? Um, so what? I'm sorry. No, no, and just one, one more thing I wanted to add, because this is a big one. Uh, before, so before you ask a question on Stack Overflow, understand what's considered on topic and off topic. Like if, if, if you need to, like if you need a tool recommendation, Stack Overflow is not the place to go. Uh, so what, what's the best tool to do continuous delivery? Because it's not a discussion forum, so you know um, anything that's opinion based, where you, you're soliciting an opinion, uh, that's going to get closed as off topic. Um, or, or you know, saying um, so that that can be rewritten as 
how do I like how can I um, implement continuous delivery using these practices? Um, given you know this set of constraints, someone might be able to kind of guide you in the right direction. But even then, that might be closed as being too broad. Basically, the idea is a question on Stack Overflow should be something that is directly factually answerable, like a specific problem that's trying to be solved. So a question like, how do I run one experiment multiple times at the same time? That's, that's, that's not a good question, right? Um, yes, I, I, I edited that a few minutes before the... Um, <laughs> podcast because i'm sitting there i'm like well i have, I have 10 minutes i'm not going to start something new in 10 minutes so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, and that one is a, a an example of off topic exactly yeah um it, that that one is probably too broad mm -hmm. like is there is there a way to do it probably um do we is there a lot more information needed to you know give you a nudge in the right direction oh yeah <laughs> so what what's like the oddest Azure DevOps, VSTS, VSO, TFS, just the oddest question that, that's been on topic that you've seen. Something that I see, I see less of these days, but I used to see fairly frequently um, when people were a little bit more um, fearful of the scary cloud mm -hmm. uh, was how do I keep people from stealing my source code if I put it in, in uh, Visual Studio Online, VSTS, Azure DevOps? How do I keep people from stealing my source code? And I mean, it's not an unreasonable fear, but it's like, well, you know, if, if I work in an office with you, how do you keep me from stealing source code there? I can take a picture of the screen. Um, I can use thumb drives. And, you know, obviously different companies might have different policies to kind of prevent that. But my, but I, I ended up answering that and I feel bad because this was kind of a jerk answer. <laughs> but I, I gave a very long detailed um, answer involving things like, you know, um, full, full cavity searches on entering and ex exiting the building, like stuff like that. You know, no internet allowed, um, you know, very, basically very, um, very detailed uh, explanation of what you would have to do to keep someone from stealing your code if they were really, really, really determined. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I feel bad for that answer now, but it's, it's still kind of funny. So I stand by it. <laughs> okay. And uh, so and is that like the oddest or the worst one that you've answered or... Yeah, uh, I mean that, that's that's probably the oddest one. I, I haven't seen anything really like really crazy and out there. What's the one you see most often? often? Um, it's it's usually usually just stuff around um, how do I import or export projects? How do I how do I get stuff yeah. either into or out of uh, Azure DevOps? That comes up a lot, and the answer is almost always like, yeah, sorry, um, yeah. Uh, if you want to get stuff out, the integration platform kind of. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that that's a that, that comes up a lot for whatever reason. I think just because people are trying to get migrated, you know. Mm -hmm. Also, a lot of questions around TFS upgrades or like I tried to do something without you know, reading uh, upgrade procedures first, and now everything is offline and it's on fire, and everyone in my company is screaming at me, "Help!" <laughs> There's a lot of that. And if your question's time sensitive, Stack Overflow is probably not the best resource. Right. And we've already kind of talked about the worst question. You know, the question posted that you know. What is TFS? Uh, what is VSTS? Yeah, I mean, I try and I try not to think of questions as like bad or worse. Right. Uh, the worst question is one that I can't help you with because like I'm 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 not there to make you feel like, feel like you're dumb. I, I really want to help, you know. And presumably everyone else on the site who's answering questions, they really do want to help. Um, and you know, so, and some sometimes sometimes there's language barriers, but you know what? I guarantee that that whatever their native language is, they're speaking my native language better than I could speak theirs. <laughs> so like, I like no, no judgment for me on that. I like that. The worst question is one that you can't answer. Yeah, like I really want to help. <laughs> yeah. Do you build like relationships with people that, that you're answering questions or commenting on? Not really. I probably should. Cause it, it uh, cause there are, there are like chat rooms and stuff, but mm -hmm. I don't really use it. Um, I'll, I'll occasionally, if there's a big back and forth comment thread, like bounce it off to a chat room. It actually tells you to do that. If you go and have a big, uh, long discussion, it'll say, do you want to move this to chat? <laughs> and occasionally I'll do that. Uh -huh. Um, but yeah, I, I it, it's funny because I actually, now that I think about it, I, I probably should be trying to drive business to uh, my company. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to do that going forward. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, do people on like Stack Overflow reach out to you, having seen how many things that you answer? Are they like proactively? Um, no, believe it or not. Um, 
the the only thing is like uh like I get recruiters hitting me up a lot. Well, I guess that can be good or bad, right? It makes me feel good about myself. So. <laughs> uh, and we're we were talking about you know, why this this feeling about Stack Overflow that it's become or it's it's a mean place. Do do you think it feels that way? It's incredibly unwelcoming. Okay. Um, and that's changing, luckily, because it's something that the community is aware of and the, you know, the stack exchange, the people that run it, are very well aware of. Because I think they saw that usage stats were actually declining over time because, you know, it, for, for there to be a community, there, have, there has to be new people joining the community to handle people leaving. Mm-hmm. So, so if 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 every person that comes to ask a question gets driven off by you know people holding torches and pitchforks, <laughs> screaming at them for asking a bad question um, or just treating them like crap, then yeah, they're not going to come back. And so they've been making some real efforts to um, kind of build a play nice policy, like don't be rude. And when someone's a new contributor, now there's a little flag that pops up that says, "Hey, this person is not is new. Be nice." <laughs> And sometimes that's all it takes. Like, I've actually noticed that it helps mm-hmm. um, because it, it, it just, it just yeah. and also they added the ability um, to have a guided question. So for a brand new user, it takes them to a template where it says, okay, so what's your problem? What have you tried? Do you have any code? Mm-hmm. And it just kind of walks them through all of the pieces that make a good question. And it helps guide them toward asking something in the first place that's good. That doesn't mean that people use it all the time. You know, you still get questions where someone just puts a, puts you know three sentences into the text box and hits go. But it, it is helping both drive um, community behavior toward treating people more respectfully and also getting content that you know, is less likely to get um, treated poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it has been a real problem. And how do you... Did you... Realize it was a problem. Yeah, and I and I'm not gonna I'm not going to lie and say that I never participated in, in some snarkiness or some meanness because it, it it can be frustrating um, and it, it's it's hard sometimes to not just say well have you tried anything <laughs> you know and and that, again it's it's hard to read tone in voice because I can say right. well have you tr-? like it's the difference between have you tried anything or have you tried anything. <laughs> It's, it, you can't read. You can't. You don't get that in text. So if I say, right. "Have you tried anything?" question mark Someone might read that as the nastier, more derisive version of that sentence, and I didn't mean anything by it. So it's you know it's hard to communicate textually that way. Mm-hmm. That um, reminds me. Do you ever see the movie The Martin, The Martian? Yeah. And that when when he's texting him back, they're telling him that he's going to have to strip off everything on the return thing. Is it? Do you think he's saying, are you effing kidding me or are you effing kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, And, you know, if if it's just too much for me and like I'm in a bad mood and I can tell that I'm going to be a jerk, I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to participate today. I'm going to close the tab. I'll I'll do something else with my time. Um, Now, what should if a questioner is new on there and they've they kind of feel that they put a good effort into their question? But the replies, the comments, and the things they're getting back are do seem to be snarky, mean, unwelcoming. Is there anything a questioner can do? Um, I I don't know. If, I'm, I'm assuming that people can do this uh, mm-hmm. at any you know reputation level. But there's a little flag icon next to comments, and you can report. Excuse me. Uh, you can report them for being you know, rude, abusive, you know, not constructive. And mm-hmm. I do it all the time. I'm like, come on, that's like that's a bridge too far, my friend. Like I'm going <laughs> to report that. <laughs> Like, especially, like, I saw something just the other day where um, where someone was kind of being um, berated for questioning something that, to me, as a native English speaker, looked like a, a matter of semantics. Mm-hmm. But to them, they really didn't understand that off-topic meant not allowed. So uh, it's 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 a, it's a case where it's a, it's you know it's a it's a language barrier, a, a, um, a communication issue, and people were being really mean to this person. And I'm like, that's yeah, that's uncalled for. Right. So you're helping police or guide uh, your, the community on Stack Overflow. At least you're a little I, part of it. I try. I try to, right. um, because one of the one of the things that 
new users will frequently see, especially if they ask a marginal question, is they'll just get uh, drive-by downvotes. So, you know, you ask a question and you walk away from your computer for five minutes, you come back, and you're at negative 17. <laughs> and it's like, what, what, why? With no comments, no one oh. saying, what's wrong? Like, that's really unwelcoming. You know, how would you feel if that happened to you? <laughs> yeah, you, I, would, I wouldn't go back. I, you know, right. it would, yeah. All right, so, so, now, so now the guidance for the community is, like, if you're going to do that, try to say, like, why you're doing that. And that's only, I mean, the commenters and answering people are there to help, right? Mm -hmm. So if somebody puts a marginal question on that, doing a drive-by, you know, down check, it, it, you're not helping. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, I mean, well, so you're helping in some ways because you're, um, you're helping the site keep only good questions and I'm making air quotes when I say you know, yeah. good questions. Um, so people see it as helping because they're, uh, they're keeping everything clean and only high quality by whatever standards bar they've set for quality. You know? um, so some people would see it you know, that way versus it, it's kind of like, you know, purely emotion switch off, like purely functional. Yes. The site is better because I have downvoted. <laughs> Versus like, well, but that might hurt someone's feelings. And you know, we, we are humans and we do have feelings. <laughs> so do you have any final Stack Overflow advice? Um, I think the, the only advice I could give is if you're asking questions, just remember that people are doing it for free for no other reason than you know, they want to help you. Because um, I've gotten, you know, sometimes you'll get someone that's like snarky back to you because they don't like your answer. Like, why would that be the case? It's like, because that's how the product is designed. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, don't blame me. I'm don't don't shoot the messenger. Yeah. Um, and if you're answering questions, yeah, remember that the people that are asking questions are humans and they have feelings, and you shouldn't be a jerk to them just because they're they, they don't know as much about this particular topic as you. It's just, it's something that you see a lot with, um, especially like new programmers, people that are in university or just hobbyists. Mm -hmm. Like they're going to ask really dumb questions, like. And they're going to say, I'm trying to do this thing. And they're trying to do it in the worst way you've ever seen in your life. And what you have to understand is they're like, they don't understand. They don't fully understand like conditional statements yet. So don't throw async away in MVVM and design patterns at them because you're just going to make their heads explode. They, 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 they aren't there yet. So, you know, it's, it's all about context and just being respectful, I think. Right. And, and yeah, like you said, there, you don't have the emotional connection, that emotional context, both when you're, you know, writing your question and in the answers on it. So even if something comes back, it may be sound snarky. Maybe it's not. There's just, you're not looking at the person in the face. You're not having an interactive conversation with them. It's like the whole email things. I don't know how many times we've had, you know, emails that you look at and it's like, oh, wow, I hate this person now. <laughs> Yeah, and then you actually talk to them, and you get the context for the, the emotion behind the words, and you're like, "Oh, wait, never mind." Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it's some it's and sometimes you know you see people like a lot of people use pseudonyms. I happen to put my real name on this um, because I, I treat it as a you know piece of my resume, a piece of my professional um, portfolio. But you know, there's there's a lot of people, and you they answer under pseudonyms, and you're like, I don't see how that person could ever be employed anywhere. <laughs> so by having my real name on it, I have a higher degree of accountability. <laughs> so one question that I didn't put on the notes to send you, I, uh -oh. I do have something that I've been asking a lot of people on, especially DevOps people. People are involved in DevOps, doing it day in and day out. What do you think about people like hijacking DevOps? And inserting new acronyms in the middle, like DevSecOps and DevDBOps. And de do you care or does like DevSecOps just bug you? It doesn't really bother me. I um, What kind of bothered me was when DevOps was hijacked to be the replacement for ALM. <laughs> like it used to be ALM was a specific set of practices around project management where DevOps was a set of practices more centered around in things like continuous delivery. Mm -hmm. But then over time, it's, the tentacles have kind of come out of the word DevOps and just swallowed ALM. So now ALM is bigger, or DevOps is bigger, rather. Right. Um, I don't see a problem with with saying, you know, like, I'm, I'm assuming you know, De DevSecOps, you're applying DevOps practices to a different you know, arena. So I'm, 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 I think I'm fine with it. 
Okay. I never thought of it before, but I guess I'm fine. <laughs> so one thing that, I, that that I'm starting to see is just people just keep inserting new dev, sec, DB, you know, software, ops, all all in the thing and thinking it's 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 a thing, but. Uh, and I, I mean, our ind- buzzwords are endemic in our industry, and that's never that's never going to change. So I, I, I just ride the buzzword uh, wave. Like you know, right now, everything is blockchain. Yep. Yeah. Everything everything is blockchain right now. It's the buzzword. Um, yeah. I, I'm I'm making my cat a blockchain cat. You know, whatever. <laughs> oh, stop it! You're killing me. Ah, uh, that's funny. Well, and that's also why we're not re- renaming this. Uh, podcast it's going to be radio tfs until tfs comes back yeah, i was wondering i was going to ask if, if this is going to be radio devops now oh no hell i'm not there's no way in hell i'm chasing devops because that term phrase is is i i watched it come and we'll watch it evolve and then morph into whatever is after devops um, but, yeah and, and just like with just like with agile right oh god yeah no kidding <laughs> um so I have a, a, another question that I'm going to sandbag you with. Last week, uh, we had a question um, from Rod, as a matter of fact. That No, 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 no. It wasn't from Rod. Uh, I want to make sure it was Michael, right? No, it was Rod. Yeah, sorry. Um, Rod was asking, how do you get the ops in DevOps? Hmm. That's, a, uh, that's, that's a good question. Um, it, I think it depends a lot on... Um, the level of experience with development technologies, you know, the people on the ops side of you know, the traditional ops silo have. Like sometimes you'll get someone that cut their teeth in um, Unix land and like shell scripting and all of that is just second nature to them. Like they're like source control, shell scripts, scripting, programming. Yeah, fine. I, I know all that stuff already. I've been doing that for decades. Um, versus someone who kind of comes from the more traditional Windows point-and-click sysadmin operations background. Mm-hmm. And not that there's anything wrong with either, by the way. I'm not, like, I'm not denigrating anyone by saying that. Um, but it's something, it's, it's, it's a challenge that, you know, um, as someone who bounces around from a lot of companies to a lot of companies, I've seen plenty of times with uh, operations folks where you uh, you have to slowly introduce these concepts to them, get them, like, you know, First, let's start with source control. You know, here's a here's a Git repo. Play with it. Don't worry about breaking it. Just you know, play play with it. Get familiar with the idea, the concepts. You know, here are some scripts for automation of some common stuff you do. You know, they're in the Git repo. Clone the repo. Go play with them. Kind of just build it up over time, um, and you know, show them how it can improve their their life and their jobs and their ability to get things done and iterate. Like I've seen teams where, you know, operations teams where we took all of the stuff that they had been putting in a Google Drive and put it into source control for them. And they're like, how did we ever survive without this? You know, <laughs> but yeah, uh, get, getting that operations buy into uh, the kind of source control, continuous integration, continuous delivery practices can be can be a tough one. And the other side of that, one of the challenges that I see is the dev side not embracing the ops, if that makes any sense. Let me give you an example on it. You know, people, developers being resistant to instrumenting their apps with application insight, you know, not having any logs or any telemetry at all. And the developers think, oh, well, that's not my job. That's operations. That's their job to monitor. They can run solar winds and they can do all these other things. You know, how do you like fix the development side of that equation? Yeah, I, it's, and part of that I think is just the the idea of the small and cross functional teams. Like, you know, you're you're sitting down for your your you know you're you're sitting down doing sprint planning. It's like, well, we need to add instrumentation. Like, someone from the operations team or someone you know in the operations role, not a separate team, but you know, cross functional, has said, you know, this is something we need. Someone's going to do it. But everyone, we're kind of pulling from the same pool of people. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so so. But by having it be a a team discussion and not something that is um, segmented into a particular job responsibility and a operations task, a development task, it's just it's something that needs to get done. Right. And another thing that comes to mind when I'm thinking about breaking down the barriers is you guys, you all, you both sides work for the same company, right? In the end, sometimes. Hardly. But the silos, they just. I am just happy that I have seen the QA dev silos break down with 
Agile and Scrum and DevOps and Crud. Now, if we just break down the ops side, and it's like you said, starting it small, just doing it. I mean, that's what you know. Donovan Brown told me when we have him on beginning of the year. It's like just start doing it. Don't wait for a, a, a mandate or something. Start small and start doing it and start showing that immediate results mm-hmm. from it. Right. And I, and this is something I always say, like anyone who's listening to this, who's been a customer of mine has probably heard me say, perfect is the enemy of good. <laughs> yeah. Like just, like, we can always iterate. That's why, that's why we, we push, you know, agile practices. Like let's get something done. It's not going to be perfect but it's going to be an improvement. And then we can always come back, iterate, and make it better. <laughs> yeah, I, I pretty much say the, kind of the same thing. Shipping is a feature. Yeah. Let's ship this damn thing. Yeah. 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 Um, so, so yeah, getting getting people involved and getting people excited about it is is the important thing. Like, if, if you can sit down and talk to them and say, like, I'm telling you, here are all of the ways this is going to make your job easier. It's like selling people, like selling uh, operations folks on PaaS. Like you, you don't even, that sells itself. Wait, I don't have to manage a bunch of servers anymore. Sign me up. You know? <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, yeah, uh, um, infrastructure is code, you know, trying to the sell the op side on that. It's all like, do you really want to be clicking all these buttons all the time? Yeah, and, and you know what? Sometimes, sometimes the answer is yes, I do. <laughs> I've, and it's surprisingly, you know, it's like, I, I want to automate all the things in the universe, but, uh, but sometimes, um, this isn't any. This isn't any customer I've worked with, but I've worked in companies, you know, back in my developer days, where it was job security. But that is such fake. Uh, li- listeners, I, <laughs> I know you all know this. All you listeners out there, I know you're you're rolling your eyes at that too and saying that's just stupid. I don't want to say stupid, but it, it, it's just wrong thinking. You know, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I know. I, I've seen people like that too. Damn yeah, humans. I, I, It'd be a great I, planet I, I, without I, the humans. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. I like I, I like job security too. I like knowing that I'm valuable. But you know, I like to be valuable by providing value <laughs> yeah. instead of being the only person that knows how to click the menus in the right order. Yeah. <sighs> um, so yeah, uh, they, they keep the bus factor low intentionally. So we're getting close to come to the end of the show, but I wanted to ask you, what's a day in your life like? Well, so um, a day in my life is um, right now I'm working on a long-term project. Like I've, I've been booked with this one particular customer for the next uh, the next year, like year plus. And it's great because they're doing awesome stuff and they're great to work with. Mm-hmm. So, But they're, they're based far, far away from my home in New Jersey. Um, so I'm working largely remote for them. So, um, you know, wake up, drink the coffee, feed the cat, of course. Pet the cat's belly, of course, um, and yeah. You know, while while I'm drinking my first cup of the co- cup of coffee, like six thirty seven in the morning, I'll see if anything interesting popped up on Stack Overflow. And keep in mind, I'm talking like you know my Stack Overflow contribution time. We're talking like thirty minutes a day. Like I'm not spending a lot of time there, even though even if it looks like I am. <laughs> it's just because I know all of the I, I know the subject matter so well that I can fire off an answer in a couple of seconds. Right. You know? um, so yeah, I catch up on the news, check Stack Overflow, then I, I get down to my work day. And sometimes I'm just involved, heads down, meetings, coding, uh, doing awesome, fun things, making making everyone's life easier. And um, I don't get you know room to breathe for eight, nine, ten hours. So I'm just doing that all day. Um, and then sometimes there are days where like I'm doing stuff with a uh, desired state configuration. Mm-hmm. So you know, I have uh, some lengthy pauses while I wait for a DSE script to run. <laughs> Um, and by the way, I've been doing DSE and Docker containers for testing. Kind of neat. Um, it doesn't doesn't work perfectly, but it's it's pretty good. Uh, but anyway, like if if I have you know a 15 minute build process that's going to run, I'm going to get up, stretch my legs, and maybe see if there's anything I can fire off a quick answer to. Um, and so yeah, I do that. Um, if my my day ends five o'clock, six o'clock, seven o'clock, nine o'clock, whatever, depending. Um, and then eat dinner with the fiance, plan our wedding a little bit more because that's fun. Um, and yeah, while we're spending some downtime together, if, if something pops up in my uh, my RSS feed, maybe I'll fire off an answer or maybe I'll just, just sit on it. Um, 
but yeah, um, the, the the good thing about the area where I do most of my contribution, which is you know, DevOps, TFS, Azure, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of code involved. So I'm not trying to debug people's code or write code samples for them, usually, generally speaking. Yeah. So it's real, it's real easy to just type off a you know, five or six line answer. And as a former remote worker myself, you've worked it out with your your uh, fiance and your and your cat that you know when you're working you're working. Yeah, um, it's 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 challenging, um, but or at least it used to be challenging. I've been doing this for so long now that it's kind of second nature. But yeah, like my my work day is my work day. Like it's yeah, you know, it's it's if there's something really important, you know, feel free to stick your head in and bug me. But for the most part, like pretend I'm pretend I'm at work. Like, and you know, she, she goes off and, and has her job as well. So that, so there's usually not much of an intersection there, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm at work the same way you're at work, you know, <laughs> like just be, just because I'm at home doesn't mean I have time to spend an hour doing dishes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That took me a while to, to train my family. When I, when I first started, um, I, I was like, I'm going to get up every day and I'm going to put on like a, a button down shirt and slacks and regular shoes and pretend like I'm going to the office. And that lasted for um, one day. But I was like, I was like really serious. Like, I'm going to not fall out of the, I'm not going to I'm going to fall into the habit of staying business professional. I'm like, nah, I mean, I'm, I'm wearing shorts and a T-shirt right now. Yeah. yeah the next day it was fuzzy bunny slippers and PJs. Yep. I was like, you know, what? exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I, I grew I grew out a beard because it's like, eh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get to our feedback, uh, I wanted to last question on you. So what should I have asked you but didn't? Honestly, I think you asked me everything that you should have asked me. Perfect. I got nothing. I got nothing. I, I get a you know one hundred percent host score. Woo. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> cool. A plus 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 would be a guest again. <laughs> All right. Well, we've got one email. Um, Mr. Campbell, John Campbell, sent us an email. Let us know that he thought last show was great. Uh, He took advantage of watching all the Channel 9 videos. I'm not going to go and read his whole email because you guys don't want to hear all that. Uh, But he did ask a great question and one that's been going on for forever. And I know one, Daniel, that you can't answer. But he had the question. And if you guys listening have the answer to us, please send us an email. I'll give you the address in a second. But when you go to GitHub, it's very easy to find a project. And this was his point. It's like, you go to GitHub, you search in what you're looking for, bang, it's there. How do you find the open source projects on Azure DevOps? Where do you go? There's, there's no that one box. So listeners, uh, both, you know, Paul, Mickey, Martin, I know you guys are going to be listening on it. And I know it's being worked on. I don't know if anything can be shared yet. But just know that there's other people out there in, in the wild. They're looking for that same thing. They want to take advantage of the awesomeness that are open source projects, fully hosted in Azure DevOps. But their the discoverability, fr- quite frankly, sucks right now. So uh, let us know what's going on with that. And John, as soon as I hear anything, I'll let you know. And we'll talk about it here on the show. We were speaking about email addresses. Well, send us an email, radiotfs at outlook.com. We're on Twitter, at radiotfs. Of course, we're on Facebook, slash radiotfs. And the voicemail, nobody's doing voicemail. Then again, I haven't checked it since I said I was going to check it last week. But uh, it's 1-425-233-8379. And I said that really fast since I don't want you writing it down. I just want you to go to the radiotfs.com site. And the phone number's right there. The phone number's in our feeds, too. If you look in the descriptions of the feeds, you're listening to it in the your uh, favorite catcher. The phone number is there as well, too. Send us a voicemail. We'll figure out how to splice it into the show, and uh, we'll take it from there. Uh, Daniel, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's been awesome. Awesome. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to Radio TFS. 